You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus. And Brandon, let's go with you first. Uh, who do you like in the Woodford Stakes? Alan Schneider. Time out, time out, real quick. Wait a second. You're talking Saturday? Yeah, like we normally do. Yeah. And Brandon Jaggers. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Friday? I only Uh-oh. handicapped Friday because I looked up, I think I looked it up on Tuesday. I was like, is Keelan not running on Saturday because Pimlico's running? And then that's all I, I never oh. even. Oh, dear. I, I've got nothing. Welcome to episode 22 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm your host, CeCe Broadus, joined, as always, by my partners in crime, Alan Schneider. How you doing, everybody? I've been listening to Van Halen all day as a tribute to the late Eddie, but see if we can get this through in honor of him today. Sounds like a good idea. And joined by Brandon Jaggers. I'm still praying I can walk into a Kentucky horse track before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Amen. Brandon, you've been like at least twice this year. I don't know what you're complaining about. I oh, been yeah, up. yeah. Well, let me clarify with like fans. I there you go. Fans. <laughs> Good enough. Well, they ran the Preakness Stakes over the weekend. The first Preakness ever held in October. And boy, did we get a surprise as the Philly Swiss skydiver held off authentic in a stirring stretch drive. Swiss skydiver now becomes the first Philly since Rachel Alexandra to win the Preakness. And in doing so, she earned a buyer figure of 105. That's some serious racehorse numbers. Uh, Alan, let's start with you. Let's let's talk about uh, Swiss skydiver's victory in the Preakness. Uh, I'm happy for the connections. I'm happy for Robbie Alvarado, Ken McPeak. Uh, a little vindicated because we've, we've known this horse has been this good uh, all year long. Uh, it was a bold move to put her in the Preakness, but you know those of us who liked her in, in the Oaks say we kind of felt like she might have been best that day, just a rough trip. But it came around full circle because she got a great trip and a great ride uh, on Preakness Day to beat the boys. So it's funny how this game works out. But Ken McPeak's gamble paid off, and he got himself a triple crown jewel. Brandon, yeah, sure did. I mean, I. It's funny, all all year they've been kind of trading licks. You know, some of these horses, they get to compete with each other. Uh, and then Authentic actually coming over and doing what he did on the Derby Day was, was so huge and magnificent that, you know, we kind of let Swiss Skydiver take a back seat. And we really, I, I, I missed the focus that time. Um, and, you know, still disappointed in Thousand Words. I mean, that horse... The whole demeanor of the horse did not look the same, obviously, as the no. Derby. Uh, so I didn't like seeing that at all when that horse came out. But, I, I mean, it, it is going to be very exciting come uh, Breeders' Cup and to see if Tis the Law comes back around and enters uh, and competes against these because they're all the same class. They got It just depends on the day, who's peaking at the right time. And hats off to Swiss. A fantastic job i've been a fan of that horse all year uh just like we all have on the podcast just when it comes down to handicapping we couldn't deny authentic and you know how strong that horse was and, and baffert so 
But I tell you, the move that Robbie Alvarado put Swiss to make, you know, to put that horse in a great position, put her in there, uh, you know, I'll remember that for a long time. Well, let's talk about handicapping the race for a second, because when I looked at Swiss Skydiver, I just saw all of those big efforts this year. And I'm conditioned to believe when a horse runs that many times, they're going to take a step backwards. And that was absolutely not not the case here. And probably going forward, I mean, she on thoroughgraph, she fit with Authentic and Art Collector and was better than most, you know, most of the horses in the race. But I, I refuse to believe it. And, you know, and then toss in Robbie Alvarado, who when I handicapped the race, I, I looked at it like he'd forgotten how to ride. When in reality, he turned in one of the best uh, triple crown races. That's, that's, that's Calvin Burrell-esque, the way he... Uh, he handled that Philly. So, you know, going forward, you just got to, uh, you, you got to be a little creative in your handicapping. And I missed out on a 12 to one payoff there. Let's talk about, uh, the disappointment of the race art collector kind of broke a, a half step slow and, you know, it maybe was a little, uh, I wouldn't say lethargic, but he just, he, he didn't run the race that we thought he would run. Alan. Yeah. I was disappointed for, uh, the connections, obviously, I, it's hard to call it a disappointing effort. It was disappointing, but it was just an even, one of those typical even even races. Uh, I believe the horse basically ran fourth around the racetrack for the most part. There was no kick. It was not embarrassing. It just uh, it wasn't hitting exactly fire. But if you, if you look back at the race, the only horse that really made up ground in that race was Jesus's team, who was a bit of a surprise. Everyone else uh, either lost ground, it seemed like, or just kind of a stay up close to the pace, so I don't want to call it a merry-go-round race because it definitely wasn't that. But uh, our collector didn't have the kick. Maybe we can see down the road where maybe the, the slight layoff hurt. We'll see. But, uh, you know, we'd like to see a little bit better finish from them. So Swiss Skydiver is likely to go next in the distaff, and I would think Authentic is going to go in the Classic. Brandon, uh, in your mind, does Swiss Skydiver match up with the likes of Monomoy Girl and, you know, some of the other top fillies in the country? I mean, you talked about it. Is it is it the time that, you know, she doesn't peak and she takes a step back? Uh, you know, that's like a coin flip because she has raced a lot this year. But I, I wouldn't take Swiss to the distaff. I'd run her back in the classic. I mean, <laughs> to me, I mean – authentic you never know how they're going to train up to it i wouldn't you know i would nominate for both and then decide who's going to who's going to fit where uh you know the nice thing to have options you know she her breeding you know i mean when they actually sell this horse eventually or if they breed her i mean she's going to get a commanding number because uh, she's got just total class through and through so i i don't know i we'll, we'll see here in I'm, gosh, we got a long time still. It feels like, but not about, that long. About thirty days. Thirty days yep. till Bridge Cup weekend. Wow. Yep. All right, let's uh, turn our attention to Keeneland. Keeneland's opening weekend was on Friday, or began on Friday, and it was stakes race after stakes race, and and some brilliant winners. I want to start with the Shadwell Mile with a favorite of mine, Ivar. Of course, I I didn't bet the horse because I didn't believe you know. Didn't believe he was fast enough to compete with these types yet, but he proved me wrong. He came from well, well out of it, uh, which was a, a change of uh, change of riding styles for this horse. He, he usually likes to be on the lead, it appeared, but he came from behind and, and blew away 
the Shadwell Mile Field. This is a uh, half-brother to Hard Strike. That's a Kenny McPeak two-year-old. And we believe that this horse is going to probably resurface in January or February, maybe try to get on the Kentucky Derby Trail, hopefully. Uh, but, uh, guys, you got any thoughts on Ivar? I mean, can this horse compete in the, the Breeders' Cup mile? Uh, well, first off, I want to thank you, CC, because you've been on this horse for quite a while. And because of you, I bet the horse on – I did bet the horse on uh, Saturday – uh, so I was happy with the payoff, and I, and I actually owe it to you because you've been touting him for so long. Once they scratched uh, my holiday, I had I had I had to turn to your uh, your your wisdom, I should say. So thank you for that. Um, do we do I think he can compete in the Breeders' Cup Mile? Yeah, I I really do. Because I, I was he won the race so easily with such a ferocious late kick when he's been, when he's been running on the lead. I like the horses that show their class by running different styles and being that versatile i think the horse is better coming from off the pace that's hard if the if you can believe that i think the horse definitely figures the race is back at keeneland uh i'll be keeping an eye on ivar yeah let's talk let's talk about thoroughgraph real quick brandon uh where i where i talked about swiss skydiver you know the, the numbers were accurate she she was you know ranked right along the top contenders in the freakness ivar had had maybe three starts in this country and, and, you know, nothing that he had run yet came close to being uh, competitive in the, uh, in the, the shallow mile. So, you know, that, that, that was, uh, where I went wrong. I tried to, uh, I pulled up third graph for this race and I, had I not done that, I probably would, uh, I might've landed on Ivar. I know I used him in the pick four, but that was, uh, that was blown to bits a few races earlier. Uh, Brandon, go ahead. Yeah. I didn't have the horse and exotics. I played the, like you said, the pick four, I love the horse's chances that day. I thought with the blinkers coming off, you were definitely going to see a different run tactic and not be so forwardly placed in speed. Uh, and to see a close is awesome. But, you know, a big scratch out of that day was Halliday. Uh, so we never know how that horse is going to do. But, you know, you had a couple of Chad Brown horses there, three, I think, that, that made it. Uh, it, was, it was a great race, good for Ivar. I just didn't play it to win place or show. He earned a 104 buyer, so that puts him at the you know top of the class as far as the milers oh, yeah. go. You know, unless something something big comes over from Europe, I, I think he's he's got a big chance to to pull a double there. Uh, let's talk about the Breeders' Futurity. That was uh, the race before, won by Essential Quality for Godolphin and Brad Cox. I think this guy's got a a big future. He earned a buyer feet, speed figure of 88. He's a son of Tappet. Probably still has a lot to learn. That was only a second start. And he's going to be one of the favorites in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile here in 30 days. Uh, guys, you got any opinions on essential quality? Oh, yeah. They uh, they sent him out to the front to put him, press the pace, and he was actually a little bit rank, a little bit green. I think he raced a little bit wide in the first turn, if memory serves. Um, so it wasn't even a, a thing of beauty the way she ran. he ran early, but leveled off and destroyed that field. And there were some nice horses in there. People thought that was a, that looked like a pretty good um, – field to start but he pretty much decimated him and we saw what this horse did in his first start on a uh, derby day lived up to the hype yeah th- this horse is a runner uh godolphin's got a runner and i think you're gonna there's gonna take a lot of beating to knock her off on the, at the breeders cup juvenile we'll see about that going forward i wouldn't have better against him right now brandon i know you're gonna have that brad cox godolphin <laughs> blue kool-aid just running down your chin it's i mean you're so <laughs> disgusting like that What's yeah, uh yeah, I'm uh, sure you're you you're licking your chops to get a chance to bet essential quality next time. 
Yeah, when I go to the backside on uh, on Friday to watch our Philly workout, I'm going to bring it up, and we're going to talk about essential quality for sure. There was a lot of great horses in that that race. I mean, Steve Asmussen had two quality horses. You had a Chad Brown entry, Ken McPete. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew the horse would go to the front. I kind of felt like all of Cox's seemed to do that. And, you know, if they got the last closing kick and sure enough, uh, the horse did really well. And then the third grade one that day was the first lady stakes. And that was won by Uni, and she earned a buyer of 99 chasing, uh, what I thought was a pretty poor ride on newspaper of record, uh, We'll get into that in a minute, but yeah, you, Uni, Alan, is she back in form now? Is she, it's, it's taken her a while to, to get back to the winner's circle for sure. I wouldn't say, because I, I liked Uni, but I wouldn't say that that win just completely stamps her as back in form. That was a weak version of the first lady, a weak version that you had only really three runners in the race, one of them being Uni, and newspaper records in the race, and there's something about newspaper record. The horse cannot get better dream scenarios and just cannot hold on. This is not the horse we saw as a two-year-old. So I, I don't put a lot of stock into beating that horse, beating Bo Recall, who's in pretty good form. I'm going to have to see more from Uni, as much as I like the horse, against some top-notch grade one caliber. Swin against the Phillies. The horse is excellent against Phillies. I won't say she's back yet, but that's a good start. Yeah, I was real surprised. I, you know, I thought newspaper record, Daddy's a legend. I mean, anybody, Boger Call, could have won that race. And I mean, I did say Crystal Lake was going to take the pace, and she did. <laughs> and uh, well, you know, obviously got really tired. But uh, I just, I at a six horse race, I would never have picked any. I'm still well, not going to pick that. Daddy is a legend yeah. scratch, but let's oh, yeah, talk, yeah, I'm going to yeah. talk about this ride on newspaper record. I, I see this a whole lot now with these front runners. I can't remember. I think it was Tyler Gaffley on rotor and, and she was second and she got to the front real easy. And he just, he sat and he sat and he sat and he sat and he let the, he let Uni come up to her into the stretch. And then he took off and with her. And by that point, Uni, you know, she's not going to outkick Uni. Right. I, I like the the old ways of doing this. When like I'm thinking of a rider like Early Fires back in the '90s, '80s. At you know before they even got to the far turn, he's gonna try to blow the race open. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see with Phillies like this. When 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 there's you know three eighths or a half mile to go, just step on the gas and 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 try to you know blow the race open. Make make them come get you because this Philly is not going to outkick a Philly like you, or a mare like Uni. Right. It's, it's right. not going to happen. She doesn't have that stretch kick. What she's got to do is try to hold on to win. And that, that's, you know, that you see that a lot with the jockeys on front runners, but that, that, that kind of trip aggravates me a little bit. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's because newspaper record, uh, they were trying to rate her that day. Do you think that was the plan going in because uh, she's had clear leads and, and races where she looked like she was insurmountable. And they thought, well, maybe we can see if we can sit her off a horse or something. Do you think maybe that was the plan in this case? Well, I, I don't think they wanted to go with the, that Lucas Philly. They didn't, you know, you know. I think that was just circumstance. It, it, you know, they they might have learned something about it. They, they learned that stalking's not going to work either. So I, you know, whatever. Well, I will tell you this: that sometimes when you are trying to rate a horse and trying to get a horse to finish, the dream scenario is to sit second off of a cheap speed uh, horse, and then you just punch the gas. 
and that's when you and I don't know if that's what happened there or not, but lots of times that that can that can get you home is teach them how to rate right behind a horse who's who knows going to stop and it gives them a little confidence. But obviously that wasn't the case in, in this race. So well, well so, at the end of the day, she's she's an overrated filly at this point in her career. I, I don't know yeah. if she's gonna race anymore this year. She might they might run her in the Breeders' Cup, but I, I'd be surprised they did that. I think she'd be totally overmatched. But uh, you know. Uh, She's done fooled me twice at, at short odds. She won't. She won't do it a third time unless it's in maybe her <laughs> three or something. Like that. But uh, you know, other other stakes winners over the weekend. Uh, Leinster won the uh, the turf sprint. Uh, the name escapes me. Wood, the Woodford Stakes Woodford. and uh, and our friend Michelle Lovell, uh, her her colt uh, came in third there after setting the pace. Uh, I'm hopeful maybe that maybe she can sneak that one into the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, but. Uh, Fingers uh, then, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, the day before, Simply Ravishing won the Alcibiades. Uh, we should probably give a tip of the cap to the sire, Lauban. The horse uh, has, has sired about two, maybe one grade one winner and one grade one placed horse and several winners. He's doing better than Run Happy at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then on Sunday, the, the, the grade one Spencer Stakes was won by a Valiance for Todd Fletcher. And that Philly knocked me out of my pick four and ruined my weekend again. But uh, got, any other performances over the weekend that uh, you guys may want to talk about? Any any two year old maiden breakers uh, or anything like that? Well, I'll mention you mentioned Laoban. How about we talk about the sires? Laoban uh, did win the um, was simply ravishing, but ran second to Essential Quality with the uh, the Deodoro horse, whose name escapes about fifty five to one. So you keep an eye on those Laobans and Air Force Blue. Air Force Blue, the uh, European turf horse, had two or three winners at Keeneland this week. Am I right, CC? Um, Air Force Blue was a force to be reckoned with. In a, I think in he had two. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that maiden race real quick. Uh, oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the Judmont filly. Who, Brandon, can you help me out there with uh, the name of that filly? I think we think that one's probably going to win easily next time. I'm actually looking ahead. I'm already on Saturday. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry no you threw me for a good one there i don't remember it's the horse that ran second to off we go in the friday maiden special rate special weight uh highly touted judmont horse can't think of the name but was uh very impressive in defeat and going to be a very very good one for judmont and brad cox not again the name escapes me we'll oh, oh, oh 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 the cox, <laughs> yeah uh pu- push it was two words spun spun something Something. Right. Well, it's a, she's a full sister to Bonnie South. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get this here in a minute. I'm gonna keep talking. Uh, it was spun hard or. Uh, no, that was one of his. That was one of the competitors in another race. But CC will find it here in a second. But anyway. Sunpath. Sunpath. Sun that's right. Yeah. yeah. Full sister to Bonnie South. Bonnie South ran second in the Black Eyed Susan on Saturday, right in the race right before the pregnancy. She's also a half sister to Cosmic Code. And I think that filly was on the uh, Oaks Trail for a little bit before uh, going wrong, I think. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, this th- that filly's going to run huge next time. We just got to figure out oh, when she's going to run. No, maybe, maybe opening weekend at Churchill. I think when they stretch her out, going mile, mile, she's lights out. No I question agree. about that. Yeah. Okay, before we get to our uh, special guest this evening, uh, we want to offer our condolences to the uh, family of Angel Montano. Uh, Brandon, you got a little bit more on that? Yeah, Angel's been a longtime trainer, I think since the 60s even, 
Uh, he's got a great uh, Louisville family base. Uh, I work with one of his sons uh, at Republic Bank, and I just wanted to say our, you know, our uh, prayers and, and blessings to him and the family. And what a great achievement! I'm looking up his career stats. I mean, he's had 10,755 starts, uh, 1,413 firsts, uh, and just a a really long, nice career, uh, and just uh, I just wish his family well, and and they uh, just have a, uh, a a great you know visitation and a great tribute to a great man, a great trainer. I mean, he was racing up until his last days, it appears, and uh, just I mean, he was a, a really fun to always watch and bet at Churchill. I remember uh, Gold Seeker Bud was one of his best horses. He won the. Uh, uh, Churchill Downs handicap, I think, on Derby Day, maybe around 1995, 96. He beat Gopher Jen that day. Uh, you know, I always heard he was a great man. I, I only knew him from a, from a handicapping perspective. Uh, when he would claim a horse, you always pay attention to his next start. And uh, I think right. he was the consummate horseman. And uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, sorely missed by his family. And, and like we said, we want to offer our prayers to, to that family. So uh, let's uh, let's switch gears here, and we're going to talk to our special guest right now. Our guest tonight just put a gigantic feather in his cap over the weekend as the rider that he represents, Robbie Alvarado, won his second Preakness Stakes aboard the Philly Swiss Skydiver at Pimlico on Saturday. Although he may be young in age, he possesses years and years of backstretch experience as he is the son of a successful trainer in his own right, Robert O'Connor. O'Connor saddled many winners at Churchill Downs and other tracks in Kentucky and elsewhere. Our guest served as an agent for local riders such as Ty Kennedy and C.J. McMahon, and he's also served as a paddock analyst for Ellis Park. Swiss Skydivers Preakness was our guest's first grade one victory as an agent, and it just so happened to come in an American Classic. Without further ado, our guest today is Rocco O'Connor, otherwise known as Lil Rock. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you guys tonight? Very Great. Good. Hey, first of all, congrats on the victory and your first uh, grade one win. Were you were you confident in uh, in your Phillies' chances? You know, all week, um, you know, I could see that she was training well. But, you know, you're going into a classic with a Philly. It's only been done five times in uh, the history of the Preakness. So, yes, there's confidence there. But then there's also, you know, questions there. But, you know, Kenny all week said how good the Philly was doing. And we were just happy to be along for the ride because, She's really the one that took us there. So there's a there's a video going around of you watching the race, and it's gone viral. Uh, where did you watch the race from? Actually, my home in Louisville. Um, I had a couple buddies over. All most of them all jocks agents representing anywhere from uh, Kobe Hernandez, Bra- uh, Sean Bridgman, uh, Joe Talamo, Mitchell Merle, Miguel Mina. So this you know surrounded by friends uh, at my home in Louisville. Okay. Uh, so how did you celebrate the victory? Do anything special that night? Well, just or after. can you talk about it? <laughs> well, there was, uh, I'll be honest, there was a few drinks that flew afterwards. But that's, <laughs> I, I think that's typical for any man that just wanted to prick this. So, uh, but my good friend Jake Romans uh, was alongside of me. He was the best man at my wedding. He won the Shadwell, you know, 15 minutes later. So, we were excited and I mean, even more excited with, you know, he represents Joe Talamo. Since you have a relationship with uh, Jake Romans, uh, do you happen to know uh, his cousin, Paul? 
You know Cousin oh. Paul? Do I know Cousin Paul? Yeah. I've spent many nights hanging out with Paul. What a okay. character. Yeah, Paul's Paul's a real character. He, I, I know him real well. I've probably known him 25, 30 years. He's a real good friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he knows how to party for sure. So I'm sure that, that runs in the family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about your uh, your career. Um, I know you're you're involved in racing pretty much all your life. Uh, I would like to know: uh, did, did you ever get some pushback? I, I I think you did. You go to you went to Saint X. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you get some pushback from your family or some members of your family? I think you went from directly from high school in, into the racing business. It, did, I, how did that go? I had a lot of pushback. Um, my Mom wanted me to have nothing to do with the races. My dad in the beginning, you know, had some pushback from, but ultimately he knew where I was going. He knew I was bit by the bug. Um, one stipulation, though, growing up was they always said I had to go to college first. No matter what, you got to go to college. And um, I started a landscape business uh, in high school, and I built it up, you know, from the ground floor, and we were doing pretty well. And I said, you know, the college isn't going to work. I, I'm I'm going to do something else. And I've had assistant jobs in the summer working for different people and whatnot. Um, went to Saratoga for summer with Romans, you know, different odds and end jobs in the business. Um, ultimately though, I saw the, uh, trainer's lifestyle. And, I mean, just how much work they have to put in. And I mean, hats off to them because they do a lot of work. And, uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to try a different route. And I, had several jockeys that I played golf with growing up and they hooked me up with CJ McMahon. And that's how I got in the role of, um, being a jocks agent. So do you feel justified with, uh, with your decision in light of what happened on Saturday? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't change anything for the world. I, I love the game. So you, go ahead. It is a roller. It is a roller coaster game though. I'll tell you that. Uh, absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Will you do something beyond, you know, maybe a few years down the road? Do you think you may get into training, following your father's footsteps? Or, or how do you see things going for you in the next maybe 5, 10, 15 years? Well, I got married last October. And in January, I actually left the game for a period. I went to work for my father-in-law's um, steel business. He owns a large structural steel business in Louisville, Kentucky. And due to COVID and all of the virtual aspects of it, I was able to get back into the game um, because all the draws are over the phone. Agents weren't allowed on the backside for the longest time. Um, so first Chantel Sutherland reached out to me and said, Hey, I need some help. Why don't you uh, take me back? I had her last fall along with Robbie. And uh, I said, you know what? That's great. I'd love to, you know, just be in it, you know, just in some form or fashion. And now we are here two months later and uh, we want our preakness with Robbie. So, is it true that uh, agents aren't allowed to go into the winner's circle? That is correct. Okay, I've always heard that rule, and I never did understand why. What's the what's the meaning behind that rule? You know, I really don't know the reasoning behind it. I don't know if they don't want they want you selling your rider. Um, I know my dad's won races at Churchill, and my whole family's out there, and I can stand in the grandstand waving at them. So, yeah, yeah it, and they do. They they will find us for going yeah. in there. I, I've never understood that, but, uh, so Tommy Hamilton of Silverton Hill farm told me one time he way back, he had, uh, he had two trainers and he said it was like having a girlfriend and a wife. 
because <laughs> he was always worried about what the other trainer would think about it. Have you ever re- represented more than one jock at a time, or or would you ever consider doing that? I, I you're only allowed to have two in the state of Kentucky, and I have represented up to two at a time, and it is a lot of you know the hard part is if you go from a rider that a trainer might be uh, using and that trainer, you know, at times becomes frustrated with the rider. They might ask for your second rider. It's it's a fine line to walk to go tell your other rider, Hey, sorry, I'm going to put this other rider, you know, that I represent on your horse. You just rode, but you you know, there's etiquette to the game. You just try to follow and be respectful and do the right thing. So you're kind of you got to be a bit of a diplomat. You got to be a, probably a pretty good talker too, right? Yep, you definitely have to be able to talk and schmooze and uh, you know win these riders over because uh, ultimately they sign your paycheck, so they're you know that's who you have to please. All right, Alan, you have any questions for for, oh, for Rocco? Rocco? Sure. Yeah, the jocks agent aspect's always kind of uh, interested me. You don't hear a lot about it in in uh, in the mainstream form of horse racing, so. You know, could you maybe kind of walk me through what it's like, the, the behind-the-scenes workday life of an agent? I mean, is, is getting your guy in live mounts, is that about building relationships or, or knowing which horses fit written races, or, or is it just about just hustling? I mean, what's, what's it like uh, behind the scenes for an agent? I think one of the biggest things for an agent is to have relationships. A lot of trainers use agents they're comfortable with. So that's a big thing. You had to have friends um and build those relationships up for you to get an opportunity in a trainer's barn but it's also knowing where a certain horse fits you know you might watch uh a race and see a tough you know beat second or third you mark that horse and you might go that trainer in a week and you know hey i saw you're in you know um joe blow the other day in that maiden 50 had tough trip what about giving robbie a chance next time so you got to do your homework and pay attention to the races and try to find live mounts um, you know, it's a lot easier to, you know, a lot easier to find those live mounts if you have a Corey Landry behind you or um, Tyler Gaffley on. But, you know, the more live mounts you find, the bigger your paycheck's going to be. So, I mean, when you're watching races, I mean, that's you're watching races for future business. I mean, you're the, the horse finishes seventh and you're thinking, you know what, maybe two weeks from now that I can get my guy on that horse. He drops him down. And I mean, so. It's it's all homework when you're watching races, correct? Absolutely. Today, uh, I was watching some races at Keeneland, and I'm not going to throw out there who it was, but immediately I texted Robbie and said, hey, I think you should go see this trainer in the morning about this horse. Uh, you know, somebody I think, you know, we could ride next time. So, you know, I'm always watching to see what I could uh, pick up and, you know, try to move my riders up on. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, uh, we, we follow Kentucky racing here. We have for years and years. So obviously, we're very familiar with the work of your dad. Um, he's had so many winners over such a long uh, span here in the state. Uh, is there any of his horses that he's trained that you're particularly fond of or, or ring a bell with him? Do you guys have any favorites from the years past? He trained a horse named Tryon, Georgia. Yeah, I remember uh, that horse. Won the prep for the Pennsylvania Derby and then um, was one derby day and my whole family was there and that was pretty special well, one thing um the people don't realize i've never won a race for my dad as an agent really and yeah it's crazy though i always say it, it's almost for the best because i don't want to be responsible 
he's got to explain to his owner that I rode my my son's rider. And if yeah. my rider does something and I could cost him a horse, it, it, it would weigh heavy on me. So him and I have always come to agree. But I've rode horses for him, you know, once my uncle's owned and whatnot. But, you know, we've always had a mutual agreement that, you know, for the betterment of his business, it's, you know, we just stay away from it. And everybody comes home happy at the end of the night. There can't be any fights that way. That's what it's all about, pal. <laughs> Brandon, you got any questions for Rocco? Yeah, Rocco. Like, so when you when you pick up these riders, I, I mean, in, in your full, so let's say your rider stable's full of two, you know, how long do you, are you under contract with them for a short period of time? Is there written agreements to say, <laughs> hey, I'm going to cover you for two seasons or, you know, how does that work? It's actually a very unfortunate part of um, horse racing. Agents have no contracts. We have no legal binding documentation saying, um, you know, we represent this guy. Basically, our legal binding documentation is if our name's in the back of the condition book with a rider. Um, So that's a frustrating part of the game because we could, you know, ultimately lose our job any minute uh so uh, that's and that's something that uh i think us agents wish for but we really don't have anybody to represent us in that category yeah the stress of the money flow and you know the purchase have got to get awarded it's got to get to the barn you know it's just a tough tough way (laughs) i mean even the preakness money is probably not here yet you know so it's just kind of nerve-wracking but i mean it's a done deal it's just leading up to those events and all that i can see how that's really stressful yeah it is but um i'll tell you i've never had a rider stiff me they've always been very loyal uh i respect the riders i work for you know when it comes payday they bring me a check so you know they're honest uh men and women and we appreciate that as agents because we rely on them to be that way right so Rocco, I've got a, just a few more questions for you. What was uh, what was it like to be the uh, paddock analyst down at Ellis? <laughs> that was actually, I really enjoy that. Um, one of my biggest things in horse race, I love to handicap. As we mentioned earlier, for just before we came on show, you know the Gold Room. I sit in the Gold Room at Churchill, um, probably ninety percent of the days Churchill runs live races, and uh, I've won several handicapping contests, and that's a real passion of mine, handicapping. So. When the job came available and Joe Crucifect went full-time at Twin Spires, he approached me and said, would you be interested in this? And I jumped at it. Uh, that was that was really fun. All right, let's talk about Swiss Skydiver now. I, I think the the goal now is the Breeders' Cup distav. How, how do you think she stacks up against fillies like Monomoy Girl and, and, and those types? I mean, she's definitely going to have to step forwards to, you know, Monomoy Girl – is going to be the heavy favorite in the race, but she absolutely deserves a shot to run there and absolutely has a shot to beat her. You know, I Amen. think Monomoy Mon- Mon- girl and um, her are going to be the, you know, one, two live choices in there. And then, you know, just on some stuff, I was looking at Vegas pre odds and whatnot. Um, you know, like maybe eight to five, seven to five on Monomoy girl and three to one on Swiss skydiver. And then it's a long way to the rest of them at about 10 to one. So, 
I think they're hands down the two to beat in the race, and I think it's going to come down to an epic uh, race. Will Robbie retain the mount on Swiss Skydiver? I've not heard that officially. I know there's been, um, you know, we've talked about it, and I would put it at a high percentage, but, I, you know, 100%, I, I can't say that. Anything can happen this uh, right. day and age in horse right. racing. Oh man, he deserves the mount, man. That was a that was an unbelievable ride. That was it was a it was a work of art for sure. Uh, one more question, then we'll we'll get you out of here. Uh, we talked to Ashley Mayu last week, and you know she's a young person in the game. I'll ask you the same question I asked her. Uh, in your opinion, how do you, how do you get young people to the races now? Because that's it's it's you know the a lot of the the fan support it's in in the gamblers are, are aging aging out uh, what what do you think uh what do you think that some of these tracks should do to get people to the races young people like you that's that that's a tough question if you weren't born into it or had some direct connection to it most people aren't familiar with it i grew up in a horse racing town being louisville kentucky went to high school in louisville but truly my friends outside of horse racing they don't know horse racing they know Kentucky Derby, they know Oaks Day, but they don't really, they know Breeders' Cup, but they don't know each individual race. I think on these bigger days, we need to bring in younger people that are on TV, talking to these people, and break down the race and explain things to them so they can learn, and then they can bring their friends in. We've got to draw in this younger crowd by, I think, using other younger people. They feel more comfortable watching a 25-year-old on the TV screen versus, you know, an older guy. Nothing against any older people, but to draw that younger crowd in, I think we've got to use younger people to bring them in. Well, Rocco, I can't uh, can't say enough how proud we are of you as a as a local guy to uh, to to get this greatness victory. And uh, you know, we're we're very excited to see your career going forward. Uh, obviously, we we know who you are. We've seen you on the Ellis Park uh, uh, simulcast uh, shows and presentations, and and now you know you you you've made it into the big time. I guess I guess you could say as, as an agent. So, uh, like like I said several times before, congratulations on the big victory. I appreciate guys very much. Thank you for having me on. And uh, if I can do anything to help promote the game through you guys, just let me know. And I'll be there. We'll love to have you back in the future, Rocco. Hopefully we can do it after the Breeders' Cup. How about that? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. There you go. <laughs> that, would be, that would be outstanding. Okay, thank you, Rocco, for joining us. Okay, that was Rocco O'Connor, everybody. Uh, enjoyed having him here. Let's, uh, let's go look at the weekend races, uh, the big stakes races at Keeneland, as their meet continues to roll on. And there's two, two big races uh, we want to talk about first is race eight, the Haggard Fayette handicap, uh, a $200,000 stakes race, nine furlongs on the dirt. This is for the older male horses. And I don't have the morning line here yet, but it's a wide open race. It, it appears, I think maybe favoritism would go to a horse, maybe like Mr. Freeze from the Dale Rowan's barn. Uh, we've got a jockey switch to Javier Castellano uh, after a, a, a really poor effort. In the Ali Sheba stakes, although he, he he's taking a big big class drop, uh, you know he'll probably be on the lead here. Be you know one of a few horses. Uh, it's interesting that uh, the Romans Barn entered Coastal Defense in the race as well. Uh, 
Alan, let's start with you. Uh, handicap this Fayette handicap for us. Ooh, man, can you come up with an easier one? Uh, this one is wide open. And, you know, I think your favoritism, you can make a case for uh, the foreign horse coming out of the Pacific Classic, Maranoc, who's uh, group one, notched a group one winner two down in uh, Argentina. You can make a case for the uh, young Aurelius Maximus, for Steve Asmussen, for Stone Street. A lot of ways to go in here. Tax, Mr. Freeze. I'm not real crazy about the way Mr. Freeze ran last time, even though she's, he's dropping in class today. I might do something silly, and I think it's silly by my standards. I might uh, take the other Dale Romans horse on the rail, the up-and-comer who just ran a week or two ago at Churchill. Coastal defense from the rail. I might, I might lean that way. The horse has really figured it out this year. I've liked every race to... He's put forward. I can see why Romans went ahead and said, what the heck, let's give this one a try. So uh, it's, it's a step up in class. And there's some, there's some hard knockers in here. I think Captivating Moon figures. Uh, man, you, you, you hold a gun to my head, I'll, I'll take Coastal Defense. But it's it's uh, tilted windmills probably. Yeah, Brandon. I'm going to play off uh, Allen here as well. I think your inside posts and outside posts are kind of your two – kind of what I would call long shots. Neither of them have graded place in their, uh, in the field, but there's others that do. So, I mean, tax is going to have a big effort. I feel like tax is really going to come off. Um, I mean, a big layoff. I I think, I think tax always runs great on big layoffs. So, and then if you look at Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze got second on this very same race last year, uh, on sloppy, sloppy dirt. So, it uh, doesn't mean that he's going to come out and run here, but I, I tell you, he runs well at Keeneland. So always pay attention to that. I, like Alan said, I don't know about the Churchill Downs last race, and now we need him to go farther. I think they're going to switch up some tactics here with Mr. Freeze, and I hope – I don't know if they'll go to the front or not. I'm trying to look at who's got the most speed here. Uh, big wall card is the Miriam Aquay, uh, horse number four. Uh, that's going to be a, just a, what if I, I don't know how to handle that horse. Uh, but that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, you know, you need to take a shot here and I'm not saying I'm going to take four shots or five, but really I think tax is going to be a tough one to beat. Uh, followed by Mr. Freeze is kind of a long shot. Look at the tote, see if the tote tells you anything. Aurelius Maximus, very fast horse. Uh, as well as the inside for Dale, Coastal Defense has been working lights out in the morning. Uh, th- this thing kind of a big shot. It's an $800,000 curling. So uh, those are just kind of what Alan said. I'm not really looking to captivate any moon months. Uh, I'd like to see that horse probably back on the turf, uh, but ha- has a big possibility. Well, you talk about captivating moon. This is the type of horse we we, we call this a shallow play. This is Oh, one- yeah. That's no going to pick off horses at the end. And I mean, I've, I've actually cashed a few superfectors on this guy because he always comes running at the end, but he rarely wins. Now I needed him last time, but I, because I think I singled him in my uh, pick four and he kind of got bumped at, you know, mid stretch, but they didn't take, they didn't take the winner down. I don't know if it was deserved or not, but uh, this horse will come running at the end. If you can pick the winner, you might be able to hit the superfecta here. Uh, another horse I want to talk about, uh, we've hit just about every one of them in the race, uh, but uh, let's talk about title ready. Uh, son of more than ready. He switched to Dallas Stewart owned by Charles Fipke. Uh, 
he, he's never been worse than second in Keeneland in three starts. Two back, he ran in that boutique July Keeneland meet, and he beat a horse named Royal Mesa, who I think was primed to run a big effort that day. Uh, I know he was working well up into the Ali Sheba stakes, and uh, Dallas thought enough of the horse to take a shot here. I think this horse may be actually improving for Dallas, and I think he's worth a look. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, I, the, the only concern maybe is the distance. I don't know if he wants to go a mile and eighth. That might be just a tad out of his range, but I think he's worth a look here. And, you know, he always, he, he was beaten four and three-quarter lengths by By My Standards, who's one of the best horses in the country. So uh, Title Ready and Mr. Freeze are the horses that I would uh, rely on the most here. So let's talk about the, the feature of uh, this weekend, the Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup. Presented by Dixiana Farm. This is a $500,000 purse. It's a grade one for fillies, three years old, nine furlongs on the turf by invitation only. So I didn't get to go this year. <laughs> but uh, there's a nice group of fillies here. I think the favoritism, I don't have the morning line, I think the favoritism is going to land on Magic Attitude for Ar- Arnold Delacour and the Layel Stables, the, the owners of Barbaro. Uh, she was last seen in the Belmont Oaks Invitational. 10 furlongs on the turf at Belmont, and she won, and she beat Antoinette, a filly from the Belmont barn for Godolphin. Uh, guys, let's start with you, Brandon. Do you have any uh, you have any opinions on the why, QE2 Cup? You know, why is Drayden Van Dyke making a shipment into Kentucky to ride one horse, one race? You know, you got to think about Red Lark. I don't like the horse for this race, but that always draws my attention as to why a West course, a West coast jockey is making a shipment for one race, one purpose. Uh, personally, I like Michelin a ton. I think Antoinette's got a big shot. You like the horse or the tires? Yeah, both. <laughs> uh, and then Harvey's little Goyle. I, I think, you know, coming out of Kentucky downs, I think it's proven to be a, a great track to kind of springboard out of. You get a flat surface of Keeneland. Antoinette, I think, is the one that comes back and beats uh, Harvey Little Goyle for sure. Uh, but, you know, Michelin fits really well here. I think that horse surprised a lot of people at Kentucky Downs. Uh, nice price that day as well. Looks like it came out of that race just fine. Uh, got some great works uh, under her belt. And But watch for Red Lark. See what the tote says. You know, I'm looking at PPs without morning line, so... I'm always kind of curious how that's going to be. This horse is, has only worked out at Santa Anita. It doesn't have any works here at Keeneland. So, I, I, you know, I'm just going to take a look at it. But I don't want to play the Peter Miller horse, California Cook. I, and I really just want to stick with three here. Michelin, Antoinette, and Harvey's Little Goyle. Alan, let's talk about Harvey's Little Goyle real quick. I singled her in my pick four at Kentucky Downs on this day. And she, I think she was in receipt of a wide trip today. I, I, I really hope that uh, Martine Garcia can keep it to the rail. I think she's got a chance to win this. I do too. Uh, this race, I've got to, I got to give a nod to Arnold Delacour's Lale Stables, uh, Magic Attitude that come out of the Belmont Oaks. That horse probably is going to be favored. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, the two I like are on the inside, and you mentioned one of them. Uh, I'll take Harvey's Little Goyle to win this race, uh, even, even though I love Sweet Melania. I, I, if, you, if you look at Harvey's little goal, I think the horse is, is a mile and eight turf horse. I think after a lot of 
there's a lot of talent there. They've experimented a lot, but I think this is this is the proper place for this horse. She opened up down in Kentucky now. It's going to mile and five sixteenths. Just got caught by uh, Michelin, who is a complete grinder. So I, I think the cutback here works real well. I think she's going to sit a good trip off of Sweet Melania, who I definitely think can win the race as well too. Getting Flavian Pratt from the West Coast. Sweet Melania blew the doors off of him here last uh, last fall at Keeneland and the Jessamine. Um, I'm willing to forgive that nose defeat and a bit of a prep. So uh, those are the two I like here. Um, so I, I'm going to give the nod to Harvey's Little Goyle, but I like Sweet Melania a lot too. So you may finally get vindicated here with Harvey's Little Goyle, CC. Yeah, I'm going to give her one more try. I think uh, <laughs> this she should get the right trip this time. I think the trip last time cost her the race. Uh, she'll be my top selection. And then underneath, probably Magic Attitude and Michelin will be rolling late. So it'll be those three. Uh, Brandon, I think you maybe got some horses early on in the card that you want to take a look at. Yeah, just real quick, starting in race three, I, I like the number, well, I don't know, the placings, but always misbehaving. I think this horse, you know, dropping down in class, going to main claim is a big shot, as well as in that same race, full authority making the same type of condition changes, uh, and war detonator. Uh, with Corey on the mount, uh, ran great at this level last time. I saw that race personally. Uh, was game I thought was going to hold on to win, but you know got a little tired in the end. I like the cutback and distance going from six and a half to six. Uh, then back to race four, uh, I'm looking for a couple droppers here. You know, Florent Giroux's been racing great at Keeneland, so look for New Eagle on race four. Uh, it's a $20,000 claiming race. When Maker takes him from a 40 down to a 20, I think that's a big, big drop. Uh, I think Contrail Hill uh, for Tom Amos is a big shot, as well as Hopcat in that race. And then for a big long shot on that same race in race four, Blacktop Legend on the outside. Hadn't been seen in, a, in quite a while. Uh, Robita, Roberto... Uh, Robertino Diodoro is actually the trainer. Uh, they made a big trainer change. Horse has been working great. Um, so look for that, getting equipment changed too. Just a lot of different things happening with that horse and taking a big drop from the 50 level down to 20. Uh, that That's going to be a very interesting race, I thought, on the card. I didn't really focus too hard on many of the maiden special weights. So those are really my spot plays early, if, if you can get there. Uh, it'll be a fun kind of pick three type play. Alan, uh, before I give out a, a, a real winner, you got anything you want to add? Oh, <laughs> on the card? No, I, I just, uh, I'll look more at the card later in a week or whatever, but I just looked at the two stakes races here. So I wish Brandon the best of luck on his selections. Okay. Well, everybody stop what you're doing right now and just, you know, grab a pen and a piece of paper. And we'll hang on, that. hang on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. The name of the winner in the seventh race. Oh. If she does not win, she will win her next start. Her name is Peace Broker. This is a daughter of Warfront, <clears throat> excuse me, out of a Manjou mare named Coin Broker. This filly is a half-sister to Donna Veloce, who was a runner-up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year. I have it from more than one person that this filly is working well. She was supposed to run on Oaks Derby weekend. And oh, yes. I, I recall the horse now. Yes. She injured herself. She injured herself somehow. Now, here she is. 
if she, you know, I, I think she's going, she's, she's the one. She'll probably be my single here. Uh, sometimes Calhoun gives them a race. So, you know, these are two year old fillies. Sometimes they don't, they don't, they're not machines, but just, uh, watch this filly. And if she doesn't win this time, she'll probably win next time. That's all I'm going to say. Peace, Let me bro. ask you, should I, op- should I bust open the piggy bank with the pennies or the one with the nickels? Which one? The nickels? How far behind are you this year? Are you I'm behind? Getting, I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. Okay. Uh, let's go with the nickels this time. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got $2 to win on Coin Broker. <laughs> It's peace broker, peace brokers. Did I say coin coin brokers, mama? <laughs> the mama. Peace broker is the Philly. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, I'm, so I'm going four bucks. I, I I have every faith in the world again. I'm going four dollars on this one. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. You can thank me next weekend. Okay. So, all right. So I'm done. That wraps up our uh, episode 22, uh, guys. Before we cut out and uh, enjoy our weekends, uh, anything else that you want to add? Uh, well, another thanks again to uh, Rocco. It was a pleasure to have him on. We'll look forward to having him in the future. And I got a question for you two guys in honor of the late Van, Eddie Van Halen. Give me your favorite Van Halen song. Me first? I would say. Oh, go ahead. Craig, you know I'm always off after Alan. You're getting out of the rotation. <laughs> I'm sorry, Diva. I like, I like Jump and uh, Running with the Devil. Okay, fair enough. How about you, CC? Uh, yeah, I like Jump when it was performed by Sammy Hagar. I, I, I've always liked that edition, but I also like uh, uh, Right Now. But just about everything Van Halen ever did, I enjoyed it. And I'm sorry oh, to see yeah. uh, see what happened to Mr. Van Halen. I hope, uh, uh, pray for his family, that's for sure. Yeah, I'll give you one from each era. I'll give you a Jamie's Crime from the David Lee Roth era, and I'll give you Can't Stop Loving You from the vastly underrated Sammy Hagar era. So Yeah, that's 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 good stuff. That's that's yeah. definitely good stuff. All right. All right. That's all that's all for now. Uh like I said, bet peace broker if you want to win some money this weekend. Outside of that, you know, you're on your own. But uh <laughs> uh thank thanks for all the listeners and uh we hope to, that you'll join us uh, next weekend. And until next time, remember that gambling money ain't got no home.